All right, we are getting closer and closer to Super Bowl 58, getting ready for the big matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. And so uh, whipped up a little fun episode here where we're going to discuss our top 10 players, ranking them one through 10. Mark and I have not seen each other's list, so this will be interesting no. to see how they shake out. I'm sure there will be quite a bit of overlap uh, as you know there are obvious stars playing in both of these games, but uh, I'm sure on the back, uh, you know, five or so things will start to get a little interesting to see how we kind of parse through and, and, and what our, uh, you know, criteria is for how we judge some of these uh, candidates for the top 10 players. And then also coming up later on in the show, we'll do some Super Bowl trivia. Is it going to revolve around the matchup specifically some players or is it going to be more general Super Bowl trivia? Well, we'll find out because we both picked our own questions for each other. So looking forward to that. Here we go. Our top 10 players of Super Bowl 58. All right. Wasting no time. We'll get things started here with our lists. Mark and I think the the best way to kind of go about this is each give uh, our 10 through six. Uh, yeah. We'll alternate there and then we'll, we'll, you know, discuss and then go into our top five players. So Mark, uh, I will give you the floor to kick things off with your uh, number 10 best player in this Super Bowl matchup. I will start it off, and and before I jump into it, I, I do want to quickly say, I think the thing that really surprised me was, can't you know, we talked all season how the Niners have, like, the most dudes, right? They're, they're the roster where it's just absolutely loaded with, with guys. You can sit there, drink a beer with your buddies, be like, just naming dudes from the Niners roster. But yeah. when it comes down to the top-end talent, I was surprised how many Kansas City Chiefs I found myself wanting to put in this list. So that's just a little preamble to getting it started here. Um, so I'm just going 10 through six or right off the bat here. Yeah. Yeah. Rattle All them right. off and then we'll discuss. So at number 10, I have the center for the Kansas city chiefs, Creed Humphrey. Uh, he is a dude that has quickly become one of the premier offensive linemen in the NFL. And when you are now in a league that is, you know, center well, growing up center was kind of that position where it's like, you put the smart undersized offensive lineman. Who's kind of the leader you know, you just put him at center. Um, and as the, the game has evolved, it becomes so much more important to have that starting left tackle to protect the blind side as it became more of a passing league. Slowly, the center is, is really becoming, in my opinion, the second most important position on the offensive line behind that left tackle because of how much of a passing league it is, calling out, you know, uh, blitz packages, calling out where the linebackers are, and having a center who has a really consistent, good, Shotgun snap, not the easiest thing to do to uh, thing to, in the world to do. Uh, Creed Humphrey is is a is a real baller, and uh, he's been a great addition to Kansas City uh, over the last couple of years. One of the things that um, I think makes this offensive line overall better than the offensive line when the Chiefs played the uh, Niners in the 2020 Super Bowl. Number nine, Fred Warner, uh, linebacker, uh, San Francisco 49ers. Listen, he's a he's an all-world talent. He's fantastic. He's one of those guys I'm like, I was struggling. <laughs> I get to number nine. I'm like, uh, he should be higher, it feels like. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold it against you if he was. Um, but 
you know, again, I, I think uh, as the, the game changes, the linebacker, linebacker position has changed a little bit too. He's also not in his peak prime anymore. Uh, you know, but uh, he still is, is, you know, one of the best in football. So I have him at number nine. This one hurt that this person was so low. But again, it's just a lot of talented people in this game. Debo Samuel coming in at number eight. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Debo is to me the probably a guaranteed top five weapon in the NFL. You can make the argument he's the second most valuable weapon in the NFL behind the, the guy in his team, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you look at these, you know, Jameer Gibbs has become a premier weapon. Uh, you look at um, Tyree Kill, probably. Ty- Tyree Kill is, a, is no, a premier yeah. weapon. Um, I will. I, I look at a guy like Alvin Kamara is a premier, you know, weapon. Uh, uh, you can make the argument Taysom Hill is a really unique and premier weapon. But Debo Samuel, um, he is really, really special. And what he does in this offense makes him so hard to stop. Wanted him to be higher, but again, uh, I just uh, I value some of these other positions more and these people more. Even though the Niners were winless without Debo Samuel in the starting lineup, so it just goes to show you his value as well. George Kittle at number seven. Um, Kittle is one of those names that you forget was actually a part of that Niners Super Bowl uh, when they lost to the Chiefs back in 2020. He's a guy that's been around the league now a while, and he's a guy that, when he is healthy, is a throwback style of tight end. He is the perfect like '80s, '90s tight end who also has the modern skills. Travis Kelsey is the 2024 like modern era tight end. He's like peak what you want, right? Yeah, George Kittle's like uh, Jeremy Shockey, you know. Jeremy, he is. He's he is a physical, but he has the ability to still be extremely effective in the modern passing game of the NFL. But his block on Aiden Hutchinson, did you see that block go viral? Yes. The dude yes. is a the dude is without a doubt um he's more Gronk than 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 Travis Kelsey obviously. Yeah. Um and he is that he is that throwback Mike Dicka style tight end but in the modern game and he is he's fun to watch. Uh number 7 Chris Jones at number 6. I can make the argument that Chris Jones is actually the most important defensive player going into this game. Um, Chris Jones, I think, is not, again, he's like Warner. I, I struggled a little bit because it's like, it feels like his game is lost a step or to his absolute peak about two years ago. But Chris Jones is still a monster, a game wrecker. And what I respect so much about Chris Jones is he can make a play really early in the game and you may not hear his name called, but if you go back and watch all 22 and then you and then you see him show up late in the fourth quarter, he's a dude that has a really incredible, like, I don't know if it's conditioning or I don't know if it's just God-given, like, late in the fourth quarter when offensive lines are tired and everyone else is tired, his motor still works at, like, 110%. And Chris Jones is always that guy sometime in the fourth quarter or in overtime. Where it's like, there he goes. He makes the play when they absolutely need him most. Whether it's simply getting an arm up and batting a ball down. He's a stud. He's a freak. Uh, he's at number six. So in my 10 through six spot, two, uh, what, let's see there. Two Kansas City Chiefs and uh, three San Francisco 49ers. Well, we have the exact same players represented oh! in the bottom five. So that's pretty. Let's I, go. I'm actually right, a little so surprised. Can't uh, argue about know. that at all. 
yeah, no, not at all. And uh, we, we have a couple, you know, uh, that are spot on. So uh, I also have Creed Humphrey at number yeah. 10 for me, too. He, he was the obviously being 10 was the bubble guy. Um, and, and we'll discuss kind of maybe what players were were being thought about at this spot uh, once we finish the list. But, yeah, I mean, he's just in year three, Mark. And for him to already be an all pro at his position, it's really impressive. I mean, you mentioned like center is a very difficult position to transition to from college. Uh, you are the quarterback of the offensive line. You have to know every position. You have to make the calls. You have to, uh, you know, recover. You have to snap the ball and block. I mean, that's just alone is a little bit more taxing than a guard or some, uh, you know, a tackle. And so, yeah, I mean, he's just right out of the gates was a prominent NFL rookie and now in year three has established himself as uh, you know top two top three centers in all of football and if Jason Kelsey retires he might be number one so uh very impressed with how he's played George Kittle comes in at number nine for me um and you know part of the thing with George Kittle is that if he if if some of his best games that he's put out there was a lot more representative of his you know entire body of work he'd probably be be talked about as Gronk in terms of like the greatest of all time as a position but George has had you know he's had his injuries but aside from that there's just been inconsistencies and whether or not that's all his fault is you know there was a lot of CJ Beathard years, you know what yeah. I mean? Some we, Nick Mullins, he ha, he's had quarterback issues in his career as, as a, as a tight end. I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. And he, and he just, you know, he hasn't had the, uh, you know, overall target share. That's, you know, Travis Kelsey and some of these other guys have had, but uh, he's, he's one of the best, if not the best yak uh, guy in the NFL at the tight end position. And so, He's definitely a prominent player. And you mentioned, I mean, his blocking's in- incredible. So it, it, it kind of hurt to put him at nine because he is so, uh, you know, formidable and and one of the best at his position in the league. But there's a lot of good players in this game. And and so, uh, you know, we're not too far behind. I have Fred Warner at eight. You had him at nine. So we're not too far off on that one. Uh, but I just, just value, you know, what he brings to the table at the inside linebacker position, a, a position that's been more and more strained as the years have gone on, because it's just, you know, Brian Urlacher and Luke Keekley were ahead of their time in some ways, but also kind of set the tone for what the next generation yeah. of linebacker is going to require. Um, if you're a linebacker nowadays, an inside linebacker, uh, obviously you depending cover. on the team, but more often than not, you have to be a Brian Urlacher. You have to be a Luke Keekley. Urlacher, uh, you're absolutely right. If if Urlacher was drafted tomorrow, uh, like this year, he would fit he great. Made- he may go down as the greatest linebacker of all time because he's one of those guys that Ray Lewis was more fit for his era and like the the nineties sure. football where Erlacher, I think history will look kindly on Erlacher being able to like Ray Lewis in today's game is not nearly as valuable as Brian Erlacher. Yeah, I mean that it's you're in base uh, all the time back in Ray Lewis's days. You know, you're yeah. you're in the four three, uh, and you could hit over the day. middle. You and, could knock yeah, dudes out exactly. over the middle. Yeah, that's a great point. Yep. Um, and then moving to number seven, that's where I have Chris Jones here. So, okay, um, you know, the you, you mentioned the age and kind of the wear and tear. Of, you know, he's not as dominant as he used to be, but he's still very much dominant. So maybe that dropped him a little bit here on this list. Just the fact that, you know, he's not maybe as 
uh, down to down amazing as he used to be, but he's still obviously a force to be reckoned with. And his just raw um, uh, ability to have the balance and uh, core strength that he has at, at that position makes it, I mean, he's literally an immovable object to I be. Mean, that's yeah. why like him and Cam Hayward and Aaron Donald are like in that grouping year after year, because they're so freaking strong that you just can't move them. And so that's what makes him valuable is that he's not just a pass rushing specialist. He's not just a run stuffer that just mm-hmm. takes on double teams. He's a guy that you have to worry about in any type of situation because he could come after the quarterback or he could take on the double team and still get that tackle for loss. So he's he's just incredible. But uh, a lot of other players may be closer to their prime and more impactful overall on this list. And then Debo comes in at six for me. I mean, what what you said about his, uh, you know, being one of the top playmakers, I think he is number one in terms of like a Swiss Army knife type of player in the league. I, I truly believe that uh, because, you know, he's shown that he can break off a 60-yard touchdown run and he can line up in the backfield out of eye formation and still uh, perform well. But he can be an outside receiver. He can be a slot guy. Yeah. And he can block too. I mean, he really is the jack of all trades. Um, but instead of master of none, which is the second part of that phrase, yeah. he's also a master of all of those too. I mean, he really is uh, among the best slot receivers, among the best outside receivers, among the best, you know, physical runners uh, in the league. And so, I, I mean, you, you got to value what the guy can bring on a down to down basis. And so he comes in at number six for me to round that out. So yeah, same group of players we have, just a slight shuffling yeah. of the order, but well, I like and Debo, we people forget like Debo also, I, I was just looking it up here too when you're talking about him. I mean, he had games of 116 yards, two touchdowns, seven receptions, 149 yards, a touchdown. Like he's a real receiving threat as well. Like, yeah, I mean, he is yeah. a bona fide number one receiver. If you just ever line him up as a wide receiver, uh, he could be a top five running back in the NFL if you just line him up as a running back. So he is, I mean, it, very, very special player. I will I will say this before we move on. I will now be very shocked if we don't have the same five in the top five. Yeah, because yeah. I, this, to me, is so obvious, the number, the top five. I'll be pretty surprised. All right, so I, I'll jump yeah. into it, shall we? So how, should we alternate now five and five, four and sure, four? Sure, why not? Why, let's do that. that way? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, give me your five here. Uh, Nick Bosa, number five. Nick Bosa is a is a, just a, a freak. Uh, he is a dude that um, is an absolute game wrecker, and he's the type of player in this game when you when you start to look at you say he was a pup in back in two thousand when when two thousand twenty when they played like four years ago he was an absolute pup and and I think this is the type of game where you look at and you say like this dude could end up being the MVP of the game. Like he's that good. He's that explosive. Um, I'm not saying he will, but he's the type of defensive player where you say to yourself, would it shock you if Bosa has, finds a way to get three sacks, a strip sack, fumble recovery, uh, two quarterback hurries or whatever, a, a tip ball or an interception. And it's like, he's the reason the Niners are walking away with the Super Bowl title for the first time since the early nineties. It wouldn't shock me at all. He is he can be that kind of game wrecker. I worry about Nick Bosa over an 18 game season the way I'm going to start worrying about like TJ Watt. Some of these guys 
when you look at just their physical build, it, they start to remind you almost like of a Joel Embiid, where you're like, the human body is not supposed to look like that. <laughs> like, yeah, no like wonder, how fluid they work. And, no and, wonder uh, you're yeah. you're getting these nagging soft tissue issues. Like, the, you're just you're pushing these body your body to physically like it's absolute peak, and that's what Bosa is, and that's what Bosa does. And uh, he's a game record. So I have him at five. Wanted him to be higher, but the four people ahead of him to me are, are, are they all look like first ballot Hall of Famers. And I just don't know if Nick's there yet. Nick Bosa was the one player that I was shocked at when I was making this list because of where I thought he would fall to where he actually did fall. And he fell at number five for me as well. Oh, look at that. I thought initially thinking I was like, oh, he, he'll probably be number two. I know. We, so we are. We clearly Most people the, want to build a show on like yin and yang. We build our show on yin and yang. We, we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're rebranding to the, the yin yang show with, uh, with Mark and Dan. The yin yang yeah, show. Yeah, no, I, uh, sponsored by yin yang beer. Oh yes, very good. Okay, we'll do it. Yingling, hit us up. Yingling, in. it's in Missouri now. Yeah. I can, I can, I can have one with me every time we do the show. Hey, we we serve Yingling in the football lounge, no question. We've Absolutely. got a lot of alcoholic beverages available, but Yingling is uh, is one of the tops. But yeah, Nick Bosa is one of those guys that can wreck a game, but he's also a guy that can. Uh, if, if you, you know, like I'm not I'm not trying to I'm trying to say this without like disparaging him as a player. Um, I just think he's a guy that you can game plan against. Yeah. Boy. And, um, and, and for that reason, like there are some guys you can't, you can't really avoid Chris Jones. Um, he's in the middle of the line, mm -hmm. you know, um, you can't avoid Aaron Donald very much. Uh, certain edge rushers uh, are really good at, at, you know, I, uh, maybe this is biased. TJ Watt is one of the best when you're running away from him because he's so fast around the yeah. edge that you can't, you know, like, and, and not to say that Nick Bosa isn't, he, he's obviously one of the best uh, to do it at his position, but just saying uh, the way they play defense and his position as like a true defensive end versus a yeah. an edge rusher and a three, four, uh, he, you know, he's a guy that maybe you could make a little bit more quiet. And so maybe it's unfair to put him at five for that reason, because that has nothing to do with his capabilities as a player. But uh, just you know, there, there's a I could see the three sacks, the strict, the strip sack, the interception. Could also see two quarterback hurries, one tackle at, at the end of this game too. You know, and that's that's where it's like, okay, well he's you know, in, you you make a good point. Yeah, go well, he's in a tough spot too because ever since they picked up Chase Young, while Chase Young has helped them rush the passer, teams he's run a at Chase. He, yeah. They run exactly. at Chase Young which means you're going a, a opposite of Bosa a ton. And so you're absolutely right. Just because he has a quiet stat day doesn't mean he's not a monster and he's not one of the best players in the NFL and one of the best players exactly. in the biggest no, game. And he's one of those guys that can get five pressures in a game. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't often show up on the typical box score. Yeah. But a pressure is just as valuable uh, oftentimes as a sack because of the consistency yeah. in it, you know, it forces Aaron and throws and maybe forces a pick. So, yeah, you're going to need a guy like Bosa to be at his best because Mahomes is so slippery. I mean, we watched yeah, it against the Ravens. He might be the X factor for the 49ers in this game. Yeah. I mean, like, Mahomes, you're right. I mean, if Mahomes, if you can get Mahomes to the ground, once you get a hand on him, kudos to you. Cause not a lot of guys can do that. Number four for me, uh, to me, he's the best offensive lineman in this game. He's one of the top five offensive linemen 
in the NFL. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and that's Trent Williams. I, I couldn't put him top three just because he's past his prime, and the three that are ahead of him uh, are just such – they touch the ball so much more. But, you know, you don't want Trent Williams touching the ball. Uh, and so it, um, I, I just – I couldn't find it to put him higher. And the Chiefs, on the opposite end, they don't have a Nick Bosa, Right. So Williams is really important, but in this game, his importance is not necessarily the blind side and, oh, my God, he's got to handle Frank Clark in his prime like it was four years ago, right? Yeah. So it's a little different, a little different that way. Trent, I mean, there's nothing more for me to say. Trent Williams is a stud. He's a freak. And if you don't think he's a an absolute game changer on a, on a roster, I, I, don't, I, I don't think I can help you. One of the biggest differences, I've been doing a lot of research about some for this trivia we're going to do, but others just for preparation for my own show and for next week when we really preview the game. You go look back at that Super Bowl 54-31-20 win over Chiefs over the Niners. One of the biggest glaring additions for this Niners team is Trent Williams. Like, I mean, that is that is how much better this offense. you just saying you added Trent Williams. The offense is so much better than it was that 2020 game, and I think it's going to make a big difference in this game. At four for me is Christian McCaffrey, and you know he's he's the only one um, that is an MVP finalist. And for him to be at four might seem like a shock. And you know it's hard. It's hard when we, we get into the top five here. Uh, you know he's he is incredible. He's one of those Swiss Army knives that we've talked about his ability to to work in a lot of different aspects of this offense, and obviously can break things wide open has been a huge addition to the 49ers. I mean, you want to talk about big additions since their last Super Bowl. Trent Williams is at the top and Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> McCaffrey. You know, right right <laughs> after that. I mean, that's what a what a fit and and what a great way to showcase how team building matters. And, you know, he he commanded a lot of money and they were willing to to pony up because of what he brings to this team and it's obviously been a huge year for him. Uh just the ability to be a guy that you can rely on every single down because he'll he'll be that check down for you. Yeah. Brock Purdy has been bailed out by him many many times, and yeah, there's not much to say. It's just yeah, really, what it boiled down to is uh, the 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 rest of the guys on the list are bona fide first ballot yeah. Hall of Famers. Christian McCaffrey is probably a Hall of Famer, but maybe not first ballot yet. And so, uh, really, really comes down to that for me. But uh, yeah, not not much surprise there. Uh, that he's at least in the top five, but yeah, four was a little tough to put him there. Yeah, I I think um we'll, we'll get I'll I will I'll just move on to three because I I'll, I'll respond to that when I get to McCaffrey. I'm going with Kelsey at three. Kelsey for me uh, comes in at three because it is to me a little obvious he's lost a step at this point in time. He is still an uh, all timer. You can make I don't know how you make the argument. He's not a top three tight end of all time. I think there's real tight ends. One of those positions where I think you can legit make an argument for two or three, three guys to be like, they're the number one tight end of all time. He's in that category and he's in that group. If you want to put him number one, I'm not going to fight you too hard on it. Um, I think for me, what will be really impressive to watch Kelsey's going to be really impressive to watch because he's always fun to watch, but this is the first Super Bowl. Um, that I would honestly say 
you can make the argument the player with the most pressure on them is not a quarterback. It's a it's a tight end. It's Travis Kelsey. And not because of the actual just game planning. The game plan is really important, right? He is the he is the catalyst for this for the Kansas City Chief offense. You know, even last year's Super Bowl, you had Juju Smith Schuster. You you know what I mean? There was wide receiver weapons that you could, you know, rely on a little bit more. Kelsey was a year younger. But this year, I mean, he is one A when it comes to the weapons. And when you look back at the and 20, B and C. Yeah. And that yeah. and so that's pressure, right? Yeah. And then you add on top of it in a game last year in the Super Bowl, I couldn't tell you if Travis Kelsey had a uh, a penalty because he was getting chippy, a taunting. I couldn't tell you if Travis Kelsey took his helmet off and was swearing at someone. I don't remember. But in the game, I'll tell you last year if that happened, I would have been like, fuck yeah, I love Travis Kelsey. I love the passion. He's my guy. I, it, it's not crazy to say this year, I really hope someone has gotten in his ear. His management, his agent, someone has been like, Travis, you, you like, I don't care if they mug you Whatever, like, if there's any bad press of like, oh my God, look at what Kelt, did you see what he mouthed to that player? He taunted, he did this. There are so many more eyes on him for such different reasons. That is an insane amount of pressure he has to go, he's bringing yeah. into also while being the number one option for the greatest quarterback on the planet and the uh, and for an offense that needs to put up points against an extremely good defense. So, a lot of pressure for Kelsey. He's fantastic. If there's anyone who can handle it, it's him. And I think um, there is, there is. I just hope that someone has re- is going to remind him that, dude, there are a lot of people watching for a lot of different reasons this, this year compared to any other Super Bowl. And don't let the story be Monday on the Today Show and Good Morning America that everyone's talking about. Oh, my God, Kelsey's taunting penalty. Or, oh, my God, Kelsey mouthed this. Or he punched this guy. Or he... Because they're going to try to get under skin. San Francisco is a one thing that if you really watch San Francisco, they're a nasty team. Like they, yeah, they, they instigate. They're an know. instigative team, and and yeah. Shanahan is okay with that. Kyle Shanahan's one of those guys. He's he'll say shit. He'll talk trash. Like they are, they're not afraid to back it up and be physical and be and get and and you know you you know what happens between the lines. There's going to be a lot of guys saying a lot of shit, and so. I wanted to put that in there with my Travis Kelsey. I, I don't need to convince you he's the greatest. He's a great player. He he belongs in the top three. So, you know what I mean? It's not worth it. I do think that's an underrated storyline heading into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm interested to see, it, you know, what, what that pressure um, indicates for him as well in terms of, you know, if they win, is he is he considering riding off in the sunset and retiring? Um, I don't know. I If they lose, is he like, starting to get fatigued by this thing and and not sure if if they're if he's trying to see maybe like a a bump in the road up ahead and and not wanting to I don't know. I mean, he is in his mid 30s and there hasn't been any rumors, yeah. but uh but it's just something that maybe that is, you know, so maybe he's got pressure on himself internally about, you know, got to get this Super Bowl especially, you know, they talked about being even more hungry after last year. So yeah, that's interesting. He's my number 3 too. Um, and yeah, I, I, he is the guy that, uh, probably is the best reader of a defense, uh, for a non quarterback in this game. And so, 
yeah, he's going to, it's going to be a battle with him and Fred Warner and him and just that, that, you know, middle level of the uh, San Francisco defense, uh, kind of trying to see who can outsmart the other. And Travis Kelsey tends to win those battles more often than not, but you're right. I mean, I'm not sure if I would say he's a catalyst for the offense, but he definitely is a catalyst for the passing game. Uh, but I do think that Pacheco being so important to what this team does this year, he would probably, for me, uh, be the tone setter, if you will, uh, that is required for Kansas City. Outside of, of course, Patrick Mahomes, if he throws a couple picks early, that's I mean, yeah. that's that's brutal. But yeah, no, Travis Kelsey's my number three, so we are in agreement there. Yeah, so number you, two. For two. Then I'm gonna. I mean, guess you got Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey's at two, and I and I put him at, him at two because I really do believe he is the reason why people doubt Brock Purdy so much. Like, if they had a, yeah, if they just had an average pedestrian running back, then you then you really say, and Purdy was still doing what he was doing. No one would doubt. No one would doubt Brock Purdy. But McCaffrey's so good, so special, so unique. That he's the one that that brings the doubt into into Brock Purdy. Honestly, Brock, the best thing that could happen to Brock Purdy um, would be Christian McCaffrey sprains his ankle on first carry, is a non-factor, and and Purdy goes out there and lights it up and wins the Super Bowl, throwing three touchdowns, three hundred yards, and it's like, oh my God, he did it without Christian McCaffrey. There'd never be a doubt on Purdy again if he could do it. Um, I don't hope that happens. Not going. I'm not saying I. I'm not saying I, mean, I want that. You could just have McCaffrey have 50 scrimmage yards and like two catches and no. <laughs> no, because I'd still argue. Still... Well, the threat of McCaffrey. I mean, he is out there. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but, but you know, people people have short memories. Yeah, McCaffrey's a stud. He's a freak, and um, you know, he's he's the best running back in the NFL right now, and he is the best just overall weapon in my opinion in the NFL. Uh, if he wanted to be a slot receiver and you only put him at slot receiver, he'd be probably the best slot receiver in the NFL. Uh, he is the best running back. He's so unique, and so he's at number two for me. Yeah, and he's in his prime. I think that's part of it for me too. Right yeah, now. that's fair. That's he fair. is yeah. living right now in his prime, the same way that our number one for both of us is. Yeah, I, I Trent Williams is number two for me, and, and part of it is because he's, uh, in my view, the greatest left tackle of all time. Um, and then you know, on top of that, I don't, you know, maybe he, yeah, he's outside of his prime, but he hasn't really had much of a before prime after prime has yeah. his whole career has been dominant prime. <laughs> uh, he's so freaking good and he's still so incredibly fast for a 340 pound guy Great. you know he's he's unbelievably athletic and talented and yeah i just you know and, and with um yeah i mean you're right the, in terms of them needing him as much in this game as maybe they would if they're facing a premier uh, outside edge rusher or defensive end, uh, you know, it'd be a little bit different in terms of of, of the level of need, but uh, he's still super dominant. So, yeah, I mean, it, you could go a lot of different ways. It just, you know, for me, Trent Williams fell in number two just because he's the greatest of all time in his position, in my view, and uh, and and that made it easy to, to to put there. And and then we get to our number one guy, Patrick Mahomes, who's also potentially the greatest quarterback of all time. So. Yeah. Yeah, Mahomes. I mean, we don't need to say that. We all knew what was happening here. He was going to be number one, and he is. Um, what I would again, what I would just say, the difference between the 2020 Super Bowl when the Chiefs won 31-20 over the Niners versus this one, Mahomes was not a first ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> Mahomes was this yeah. MVP 
2019 season, second year in the league, absolute rocket ship. And he was fun to watch. He was Aaron Rodgers. We were like, oh my God, we have the new Aaron Rodgers, the most talented guy ever. What's crazy is here we are now four years later and we say now we have the new Brady. So he is, I I, I think the to me, one of the things that's really special about him was you look back on it and you say, they won 31 to 20. He had two fumbles and two interceptions. Now they recovered, I think, both of the fumbles. But if I were to tell you that Patrick Mahomes is, is going to have two interceptions and two fumbles in this Super Bowl, you'd be like, that's devastating. Yeah, um, yeah, I would pick and, him to lose. And so, you know? and you would never think he would do that. But that's, I mean, he was that. That's how good that Niners defense was. And uh, and uh, I will say, that my favorite thing about looking forward to this matchup as we um, transition into trivia is that, yes, the Niners have Brock Purdy and 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 some different faces, right? And they feel young because of Brock Purdy. These are two rosters. That I mean, there's do you talk about experience? Like, there's there's no doubt. I mean, even even with Brock Purdy, he he prepared and played in an NFC Championship game last year. He prepared and played in an NFC Championship game this year. And this Niners team has been in three of the last five NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl, two of the last five Super Bowls with the same coach. Like, we for the first time in a long time have like a oh, okay. There's no, there's no question or worry or doubt about will these teams be prepared or is the moment too big? Purdy's the only one you have to really ask, is the moment too big? And uh, he just missed out on my top 10. I had him at about 12, 11, 12. You can make the argument. Um, Joe Tooney would have been my number 11, the the guard for the Chiefs. Mm, okay. So then Pro- Brock would have been right around there, 12, 13. I struggled. I mean, Joe Tooney was in, in their for me as well but i i struggled with uh luxurious sneed the season he's had he's great him and trent mcduffie McDuff- together was that i was struggling where to put them and, and willie gay too a lot of chiefs defensive players that they start showing you know, up in those teens yeah 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 so like th- those were the the ones i struggled the most with um in terms of finding a spot there but yeah joe tooney is a incredible uh lineman and he should be well, healthy for so. the game next week yeah, yeah, and honestly, I mean, if Nick Bolton wasn't injured, uh, he would have he would have been right there too for the Chiefs. So, uh, especially a guy that you know made uh, made some big plays last year uh, to to win them the Super Bowl. So yeah, let's transition into Super Bowl trivia, Mark. Uh, we kind of just gave ourselves uh, an open slate to pick five Super Bowl trivia questions for uh, the other. This can be uh, regarding any topic related to Super Bowl trivia so i'm excited to see what you got and we can uh we can go back and forth with our trivia questions so i'll i'll toss it to you for for the first one the new england patriots are tied with which team with the most super bowl losses with five each oh the most super bowl losses that's interesting um you know i mean my my initial reaction is dallas because they lost to Pittsburgh twice, um, but I just don't. I don't think they got there five other times and lost. Who got to a Super Bowl? The Vikings got to. You said they're tied with the Patriots with five, five losses? losses. Five losses. Yeah, they have, have one. Four I will say this is a team that has won at least one Super Bowl. I'm not going to give you how many they've won. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Denver's lost 
Denver's lost several. Washington's lost a couple. I that's a that's a hard one. The Raiders have lost. I'm gonna go Raiders. Actually, I'm gonna go with you, Raiders. You had it, Denver. Denver's it. lost. Denver. Yeah, remember uh, this, my, uh, this uh, one's for John. They <laughs> lost. You know, he, he yeah, lost what yeah. three himself before? Yeah, uh, and then I Peyton, he lost two. But yeah, Peyton lost one with the Broncos. Um, yeah. Sorry. So that was my first but one. That's wow. That's that's a lot though. That's a lot of Super Bowl losses. I didn't think Did Denver it? had that many. Good lord. That's that's rough. All right. Um, so for mine, my first one, I was hoping to to find a it's a very like specific stat I was looking for, but couldn't find okay, uh, you know, the archives to do it, and we don't pay for any service to like be able to do it ourselves. But Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey both uh received MVP votes. So they're finalists for the league MVP. Oh, award. yeah. Okay. I was gonna I was hoping to say. How many Super Bowls have featured two MVP finalists in them? But I couldn't find that. However, I could find this. Can you guess how many times the MVP and the MVP runner-up faced against each other in the Super Bowl? So how many occurrences did the MVP... MVPs don't often make Super Bowls. That's one of those underrated stats. And they often lose Super Bowls when they when they do get there. I believe Patrick so, Mahomes kind of bucked that trend uh, last year, actually. If you're the MVP and you're the MVP runner-up, you're usually just like the stud stud on a on a on like a, a pretty good team. But there's a reason why you're the MVP. And these these two teams faced each other, so it wasn't so the I'm MVP say, and the runner-up on about, the same team. I'm going to say six times. Six times. It has happened four times. Oh, okay. Matt Ryan. Over uh, Tom Brady in 2016, Peyton over Drew Brees in 2009. Okay. Uh, Ken Anderson uh, had the MVP over Joe Montana back in '81, and most recently last year when Mahomes won it, taking on runner-up Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl. So it's happened four times in Super Bowl history. So nearly 60 years, only four times. That's crazy. That is kind of wild. Um, which city has hosted the most Super Bowls with the number being 11? I think I know this one. It's a warm weather city. It's not a dome. So it's, uh, yeah, it's Miami. It's gotta be Miami. My, it is Miami. Miami's New Orleans is, yeah. New Orleans is 10, but, uh, New Orleans is getting to Super Bowl again. I think next year. I think we're going back to New Orleans soon, so they'll they'll tie Miami for that. Yeah, it is New Orleans next year. You're, yep, yeah. you're right. Um, I I, I would predict in the next fifteen to twenty years, uh, Vegas is going to be the clear leader in that category. Vegas and L.A. Year, the, right? the, the SoFi, yeah. SoFi, yeah, and Vegas, yeah. they're going to get it. They're going to be in a rotation of getting it. And Miami, honestly, I'd be okay with the Super Bowl bouncing between Dallas, Miami. Vegas and LA and just keeping in those four cities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that they want to get away from any potential outdoor elements. Um, but I mean, my Miami is cool. And I just remember the Miami Super Bowl with uh Bears Colts and how rainy it, it was. was and that was the that was the death for uh Rex an Gross offense that couldn't throw defensive. the ball anyways. Like yeah, yeah, like an offense that also fumbled the snap like six times throughout oh, that year. Right. You know, terrible. it's uh Butterfinger. It's brutal. All right. Only three players in NFL history have won multiple NFL and Super Bowl MVPs. Can you name them? So I'll repeat it. In the same year? Uh, No, just in general. Only three players 
have have to their name multiple NFL MVPs so and multiple. multiple Super Bowl MVPs as so, well. So Mahomes. Mahomes is one. That is correct. Brady has to be on there now. Yep. Manning missing one person. Manning only has one Super Bowl MVP. But you said multiple MVPs and a Super Bowl MVP. It was no, multiple. multiple for both. both. Multiple for both. So Manning's out. The third one's tough because, like, Mahomes and, and, and Brady, you're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, those guys. Well, the third Montana, one makes, makes I'm trying to find people who've won, who've won a lot of Super Bowls. Montana? Did he win a lot of MVPs? I don't know if he won two MVPs. Montana? It is Montana. It's Joe okay. Montana's the third guy. Yep. All yep. right, cool. Yeah, if you think about it, it does make sense. Uh, you know, Terry Bradshaw was uh, first in my mind, but, you know, Lynn Swan won it the one year. And so, yeah, uh, I think Terry's got two and, and only one MVP, something like that. But, yeah. The longest national anthem was in Super Bowl huh. 38. This was it was clocked in at two minutes and thirty five seconds. Performed by this female artist, who's uh, very very good on the piano. Thirty eight would have been. It's coming up in ten years. Two thousand and four. Oh, oh no, wait, forty eight. Forty eight. XL. Forty eight. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Forty eight. So, so ten years. Ten ago. years ago. Yeah. Who was big like a decade ago? And, and I will Lazy say she piano. was not. She was not like old, and in and she was in her. She's still in her prime. You could argue. Um, I feel like I have seen this before. And this this woman was playing the piano while she sang it, so she's a real artist. Is it Avril Lavigne? <laughs> I wasn't sure if she if she played the piano or not. Alicia Keys. Um, this girl oh, is Alicia on fire. Keys, uh, yeah, she has piano keys. And Reba is yeah. this year, and Reba's Reba's the average national anthem is one fifty, and we have Reba's national anthem. We play it every morning on Kick FM, my radio station. I host my show on. Oh, and, okay, um, all right. So we, inside info because Reba's, the prop that's are coming Re, out soon. Yeah, Reba's on the one that we have recorded was live at an I don't remember at what, but it, hers is floats around like one thirty. So you oh, should hammer right. the under on, well, on Reba. Yeah, because yeah, it usually it's it's like 140, 135, yeah. 145, somewhere in that ballpark for the over under. That's interesting. Yeah, dude, I my pop culture sucks. I, I have no idea uh, sorry. Who, who artists are. Go ahead. <laughs> so that, that one got me good. Um what where did uh where did my list go? Hold on. I, I think I lost it. I'm pulling it back up. There we go. All right. This this is very interesting. What is so they they took the uh compilation of all of the final scores in Super Bowl history and put oh. them all together and then calculated the average. What is the average? Not meaning the median, so it's not what score occurred the most. This is just what is the average score when you combine all of the winning scores and all of the losing scores and then pull the average. In, in, in just in Super Bowls, and it's it's a bigger disparity than you think. It's a larger gap because there have been a couple, you know, blowouts, Bears, blowout games. Helped out you know, that the, the Seahawks helped with that. I'm going to say yeah. twenty nine, twenty. Uh, you're pretty close. You're pretty close. It's thirty to sixteen. Okay, so a fourteen point gap between that. Yeah, that's the average 
a final score in the Super Bowl. That was interesting. That's that's a two touchdown spread. So there definitely yeah. are some outliers in there that really push the curve. Okay, so my final two I have they're actually based on the 2020 Super Bowl Chiefs Niners. You ready for this? Okay. Okay. Who was the second leading receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs in their 31-20 win with five receptions and 98 yards? So was the the leading receiver was Kelsey? I'm not going to answer that. Who okay. is the second okay. leading receiver with five catches and 90 what yards? 98 yards. Um, I would have just assumed that Kelsey was number one, but maybe he's not. I, it, well, I remember mean, who else was on that team? 2020. Oh, Tyree Kill was on the team. So who was the second leading receiver with five catches, <laughs> 98 yards? You know, it's not going to be one of those guys. I guarantee it's not, it's going to be one of those like ra random. Uh, oh, you know what? Jarek McKinnon. I'm going Jarek McKinnon. That's fun. Point. That's a good guess. It's uh, Sammy Watkins. Remember him? Oh my gosh. Tyree, I would have never Tyree thought it was Kill, Tyree Kill had nine catches, 105 wow. yards. Sammy Watkins had five catches, 98 yards. Kelsey, I think I didn't write it down, but he had something like 50 yards and maybe a touchdown, but. I mean, this Chiefs offense used to be wide receiver. It was a yep, wide receiver yep. offense, and Kelsey just fed in the middle because he was the security blanket in the middle because you had to watch the outside with Hill and Watkins. That's interesting. That is interesting. Um, how much does the Lombardi Trophy weigh? Oh, I in know. It's, it's, it's surprisingly heavy. It's like 16 pounds. Yeah, I was surprised by the number. I was surprised by the numbers. Is 16 pounds your uh, your final yeah. guess? Seven. It's only oh, seven. I thought it was heavy. I was actually I, I so did I. I was actually surprised that it's no wonder Brady threw it in the pounds. boat across. Well, it, through, and you know. no wonder Blanca dented it so easily yeah. <laughs> with just a bunt. All right, All right, let's get the final one underway. For my final one. With 17 carries, 104 yards rushing in a touchdown. Who was the leading rusher for the Chiefs in the 2020 Super Bowl? 17 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Who told you the Chiefs couldn't run the ball? Yeah, well, uh, I feel like that was the last year for Damian Williams. I'm going to go Damian Williams. Playoff Damian. Playoff Damian. Remember him? So that's yeah. a funny thing. When you look back at it, you think, oh, my God, that's when that offense was so high-flying, blah, 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 blah. That Chiefs team yeah. ran the ball really well during that playoff run. They were just efficient. Because like, everyone's you know. saying, oh, the Chiefs offense might actually be better than it was in 2020 because of Pacheco. This team ran the football. Yeah, since then, they've been, they, you know, the, the Clyde Edwards Alaire years, they haven't been as good of a running team in the playoffs. Pacheco's brought them back the last two years. But Damian Williams was great in that playoff run, including yeah. uh, in the yeah, Super no, Bowl. He, he, he gave them uh, a lot. Uh, in, in terms of the flexibility they had. All right, my final one. Maybe this is easy. Maybe it's not. I didn't remember this. So, um, you know, I'm hoping this will be a little tricky for you. Who caught Tom Brady's final Super Bowl touchdown? So his last ever touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Bonus points if you could tell me when it would have been half it occurred. It would have been with Tampa, right? He would have thrown one with Tampa. It was with Tampa. It was with Tampa. 
It'd be too easy if it was Gronk. Mike Evans, Mike Evans, too easy. Maybe Chris Godwin. Who is that white guy? Scotty Miller? <laughs> um, Scotty doesn't know. Um, I'll go with, actually, it was probably Leonard Fournette out of the backfield. It was not. It, was, it occurred in the first half, so he didn't throw one in the second half against the Chiefs. He threw uh, a touchdown pass in the red zone, his third passing touchdown of the first half. This one put the Bucks up 21-6, to six, and it was to Antonio Brown. Antonio uh, who, Brown. Who had like a, a short hitch in the, in the middle of the end zone. And yeah, they, I mean, that, they that ran it. the ball the second half. They dominated that game because the Chiefs had no tackles. I believe Mike Evans caught Brady's final touchdown, period. I no, believe that, he that was could the, be the final touchdown, but final Super Bowl touchdown belonged to Antonio Brown. So that was fun. That was fun. Always, always good to get a little trivia going in here. But yeah, next week, uh, we'll, we're obviously going to have a couple episodes coming back for you all. So we'll, we'll have one, uh, you know, focused maybe on some fun uh, prop bets and some other things uh, regarding this matchup. But then, of course, uh, late next week, we'll give you our full a preview episode of the Super Bowl matchup, our thoughts on who wins, final score, and how this one plays out. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, but we appreciate you listening. This is the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan, brought to you by the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. 